3 a.m. Tales of Terror contains explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to 3 a.m. Tales of Terror, where we tell you stories of the paranormal. I'm your host, Jamie. And I'm your co-host, Charlie. And in today's episode, we're going to be telling you the story of the Lemp Family Mansion in St. Louis, Missouri. And we're going back to St. Louis. And if you remember in episode six, we went to Zombie Road. And so we'll tell you how far away they are from each other. They're not very far. So if you wanted to go see both at the same time, you could. And we're just going to hop right into the story because it's kind of long. So let's begin. Said to be one of the 10 most haunted places in America, the Lemp Mansion in St. Louis, Missouri continues to play host to the tragic Lemp family. Over the years, the mansion was transformed from the stately home of millionaires to office space, decaying into a rundown boarding house, and finally restored to its current state as a fine dinner theater, restaurant, and bed and breakfast. The original patriarch of the Lemp family was Johann Adam Lemp, born in 1798 in Germany. He became a naturalized citizen in November of 1841. He arrived in the United States in 1836, eventually settling in St. Louis in 1838. In the St. Louis City Directory of 1840-41, to he is listed as a grocer. He built a small grocery store at what is now Del Mar and Sixth Streets called A. Lemp and Company Family Grocery, where he sold common household items, groceries, and homemade beer. The light golden lager was a welcome change to the, from the darker beers that were sold at the time. The recipe, handed down by his father, was so popular that just two years later, he gave up the grocery store and built a small brewery in 1840 at a point close to where the Gateway Arch stands today. Adam Lemp's beer became very popular due to the increase of the German population in the area. Lemp was one of the first in the country to produce German lager, which was a great difference from the English ale importers. The business prospered, and when a large storage space became necessary, a cave in South St. Louis was used for this purpose, as it provided natural refrigeration where it could be kept cool by chopping ice from the nearby Mississippi River and depositing it inside, providing perfect conditions for the lagering process to run its course. Lemp's Western Brewing Company continued to prosper, and by the 1850s was one of the largest in the city. In 1858, the beer captured first place at the annual St. Louis Fair. And his son William J. Lemp began a major expansion of the brewery. William J. Lemp was born in Germany in 1835, completed his education at St. Louis University, and worked at the Western Brewery until he left the company to form a partnership with another brewer. In 1861, he enlisted in the United States Army and achieved the rank of orderly sergeant. On December 3, 1861, he married Julia Feichert. With the expansion of the brewery, he purchased a five-block area around the storage house on Cherokee, above the Lagrange Caves. In 1864, a new plant was completed at Cherokee Street and Carondelet Avenue. Continually expanding to meet the product demand, the brewery eventually covered five city blocks. By the 1870s, the Lemp family symbolized both wealth and power, as the Lemp Brewery controlled the St. Louis beer market a position it maintained until Prohibition. In 1868, Jacob Feichert, William Lemp's father-in-law, built a house a short distance from the Lemp Brewery. In 1876, William Lemp purchased it for his family, utilizing it as both a residence and an auxiliary office. While the home was already impressive, Lemp immediately began renovating and expanding the 33-room house into a Victorian showplace. 33 rooms? 
gosh. Also, it the sky just opened up here, so if you, I hope you guys can't hear it, but I, I mean, it literally just opened up out of nowhere, so it is pouring down outside. It's so raining quite guys, heavily. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was wondering what that noise was. I was yeah. like, is it the air condition? No, it's, it's rain. Yeah, it definitely. I was like, you were reading, and I was like, what the? Yeah, no, it. The sky just opened up and started falling. So, but thirty-three rooms. I would like that. Wouldn't yeah. want to clean it. But <laughs> if I had a 33 room house, I'd, I'd have the money to pay someone to clean that. That is very true because, yeah. I finally have space. A whole room for my clothes would be amazing. Mm, I, th- I feel like we would need like four rooms for our <laughs> clothes. One room for like shirts. One room for like pants, socks. I'd have that. a dress room, you know. Uh, Might as well yeah. have dresses if I'm that rich. <laughs> yeah, really. From the mansion, a tunnel was built from the basement through the caves to the brewery. When mechanical refrigeration became available, parts of the cave were converted for other purposes, including a natural auditorium and a theater. This underground oasis would later spawn a large concrete swimming pool with hot water piped in from the brewery boiling house and a bowling alley. At one time, the theater was accessible by way of spiral staircase from Cherokee Street. By the middle 1890s, the Lent Brewery gained a national presence after introducing the popular Falstaff beer, which is still brewed today by another company. The Lemp Western Brewery was the first brewer to establish coast-to-coast distribution of its beer. At the same time, he was building his own empire. William Sr. also helped pass Pabst, Anheuser, and Bush get started. In the midst of this success, the Lemp family experienced the first of many tragedies when Frederick Lemp, William Sr., fourth and favorite son and heir, died in 1901 at the age of 28. Frederick, who had never been in extremely good health, died of heart failure. The devastated William Lemp was never the same, beginning a slow withdrawal. He was rarely seen in the public after his son's death. On January 1st, 1904, William's closest friend, Frederick Pabst, also died, leaving William indifferent to the details of running the brewery. Though he still arrived at the office each day, he was nervous and unsettled. His physical and mental health began to decline, and on February 13, 1904, he shot himself in the head with a 38 caliber Smith & Wesson and died at 10.15 a.m. In November 1904, William J. Billy Lemp Jr. took over as the new president of the William J. Lemp Brewing Company. Inheriting the family business and a vast fortune, he and his wife Lillian began to spend the inheritance. Filling the house with servants, the pair spent huge amounts on carriages, clothing, and art. Lillian was a beautiful woman who came from a wealthy family herself. She and William Lemp Jr. had married in 1899, and William J. Lemp III was born on September 26, 1900. Before long, Lillian became known as the Lavender Lady because of her fondness for the color. In addition to her lavender attire and accessories, she went so far as to have her carriage, horses, harnesses dyed lavender. In the beginning, Will enjoyed showing off his trophy wife, but Will was a player. Born with a silver spoon in his mouth, he was used to doing and acting as he pleased. When William began to tire of his beautiful wife, he demanded that she must spend her time shopping. Allotting her $1,000 a day, he would give her an ultimatum that if she didn't spend it, she would get no more. In the meantime, Will was busy running the brewery during the day and pursuing all manner of decadent activities during the night. Holding lavish parties in the caves below the mansion, he would bring in numerous prostitutes for the entertainment of his friends. Enjoying the swimming pool, the bowling alley, and the free-flowing beer, his friends who attended these lavish events were known to enjoy a high time in the earth below. A thousand dollars a day? In the 19... beginning in the 1900s. I mean, 
that's like but but also he said that that she had to spend it like she could not come home without spending it and i'm like i would secretly save it right though because (sighs) if you know your man's playing around on you you need some money to back up when he leaves you exactly and i mean i I wouldn't mind going out and pretending to shop because i mean i wouldn't mind spending it too i do that half the time i mean i wouldn't mind spending it but i would definitely be saving it especially if she was aware you know i'd like to be known as the lavender lady <laughs> yeah i like lavender I like, it's a really nice color mm-hmm. i feel like i would do the same with the horses yeah if yeah i'm that rich you know everything's one color and mm-hmm. it's perfect <laughs> plus purple is a nice color i mean my keyboard's halfway purple so <laughs> yeah Will's shenanigans caught up with him when he sired a son with a woman other than his wife. Today, there is no official documentation that this boy existed. However, the rumors that this boy was hidden in the mansion attic for his entire life have been prevalent over the years. According to St. Louis historian Joe Gibbons, when he interviewed a former nanny and chauffeur who worked at the mansion long ago, both of them verified that the boy did exist and was housed in the attic quarters that also housed the servants' room spawned from will's philandering with either one of the many prostitutes or a mansion servant the boy was born with down syndrome a total embarrassment to the family the boy was hidden away from the world in order to cloak the limp's shame known today as the monkey face boy this unfortunate soul continues to show his presence at the limp mansion finally william jr tired of his trophy wife and filed for divorce in 1908 why she didn't take this step with all of his goings-on could be nothing more than a sign of the times the court proceedings surrounding the divorce became a major st louis scandal with all four st louis newspapers devoting extensive front page coverage to the messy affair the trial opened in february 1909 to crowds that flocked to the courthouse each day to witness the drama of tales of violence drunkenness atheism and cruelty Virtually ignoring William's decadent activities, Lillian almost lost custody of William Limp III because of a photograph that was presented at the trial that showed her smoking a cigarette. In the end, she retained custody of their son but soon retired from the public eye. The only time that she was ever seen wearing anything other than lavender was on the final day of her divorce proceedings when she appeared, atti- when she appeared entirely in black before the judge. Talk about a statement. Right, though? And, uh, what was, okay, so she, she almost lost custody of her son because she was seen smoking a cigarette? Yeah. That's. It's still, like, 20 years until, like, well, 1908, like, 10 years until it's, like, popular for women to smoke cigarettes. Still, though, I mean, that just seems. Imagine that today. (laughs) No one would own any of their kids. No. Oh, my God. Or a vape nonetheless i would <laughs> yeah got me there <laughs> you kenny nobody <laughs> so with the divorce will's troubles had only just begun in 1906 nine of the large breweries in the st louis area had combined to form the independent breweries company creating fierce competition that the lent brewery had never faced in the same year will's mother died of cancer on april 16th Though the brewery's fortunes were continually declining, the Lemp Mansion was entirely remodeled in 1911 and partially converted into offices for the brewery. At the same time, William allowed the company's equipment to deteriorate without keeping abreast of industry innovations. By World War I, the brewery was just barely limping along. William soon built a country home on the Merrimack River, to which he increasingly retreated, and in 1915, he married for a second time to Ellie Lindbergh the widowed daughter of the late St. Louis brewer, Casper Kohler. 
When Prohibition came along in 1919, the individual family members were already wealthy, so there was little incentive to keep the brewery afloat. For a time, Will hoped that Congress would repeal Prohibition, but finally gave up and closed the limp plant down without notice. The workers learned of the closing when they came to work one day and found the doors shut and the gates locked. He should have just waited a little bit longer. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> back then, you had no clue if it was going to be forever. Right, right, right. I mean, it was at that point, right? Yeah, so he should have just waited, like, a little bit longer. Because when was it? I'm not sure. I don't remember. I, it wasn't, I don't think it was very much longer after that, 1919. Because the Roaring Twenties, there was plenty of liquor flowing, but there, I don't know how much of it was legal. I was going to say, I think that the Twenties were famous for their speakeasies, so yeah. I, that was a lot of, like, you know, illegal distribution, which, so I don't know, but I don't think that it was very long. I don't know. Either way. <laughs> it would have been popular if he'd waited. Exactly. Back, I mean, he could have, instead of um, closing the store or the plant down, he could have opened a speakeasy yeah and could have kept it going or something right oh well (laughs) elsa lemp wright the youngest child of william senior married thomas wright president of the moore jones brass and metal company in 1910 they separated in 1918 and in february 1919 elsa filed for divorce she cited among other things damage to her mental and physical health The divorce was granted after a trial, but Elsa and Thomas soon reconciled and remarried in March of 1920. Later that month, on March 20th, Elsa shot herself while in bed at their house at 13 Horton's Place. Some suspect her death to be a murder masked as a suicide. And before I continue, that paragraph alone throws me off so much. Every time I read it, because, okay, so you, you, you marry in, when do they get married? I don't know originally or the second time 1910 yeah okay so they 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 married in 1910 and then they separated in 1918 so they were married for nine years the first time and they're not even divorced a year almost and they remarry again and then she kills herself in the same month in the same month like and i i be suspicious yeah don't yeah because and i would i mean some suspect her death to be a murder master's suicide yeah definitely I, that's very suspicious, especially since, you know, damage to her mental and physical health. I mean, or, I mean, I guess she could feel like she had to get back with them. And so she no way did out. kill herself. Yeah. But no way out, I guess. But either way, it's, I blame him. <laughs> for sure. I mean, for sure blame him because it's just all, that's just, like, like I said, that paragraph alone is just sketchy. So... <laughs> Liquidating the assets of the plant and auctioning the buildings, William Jr. sold the famous Lemp Falstaff logo to brewer Joseph, who, Joseph Griesdeck, Griesdeck, gosh, Germans, I can't, Joseph Griesdeck, for $25,000 in 1922. The brewery buildings were sold to the International Shoe Company for $588,000, a fraction of its estimated worth of $7 million in the years before Prohibition. And I did not look up what that is in today's money, so... It's a lot still. Yeah. It's, yeah, whoo, it's a lot. After the end of the Lemp's brewing dynasty, William Jr. slipped into a depression. Acting much like his father, he became increasingly nervous and erratic, shunning public life and often com- often complaining of ill health. On December 29, 1922, William shot himself in the heart with a 38 caliber revolver in the very same building where his father had died 18 years before. William II took his life on the main level of the mansion, 
just inside the entrance to the left. At the time of his death, this room served as an office, as his office. He was interred in the family mausoleum at Bellefontaine Cemetery in the crypt just above his sister, Elsa. William's brothers, Charles and Edwin, had long ago left the family business, so with William Jr. gone, it seemed that the Lemp Empire had finally ended. Edwin had entered into a life of seclusion at his estate in Kirkwood, Missouri in 1911. Charles had never been involved in the brewery and had chosen to work in the banking and real estate fields instead. In 1943, yet another tragedy occurred when William Lemp III died of a heart attack at the age of 42. Brother Charles eventually remodeled the mansion back into a residence and lived in the house along with two servants and the illegitimate child of his brother William. Charles, too, became an odd figure as he grew older. Developing a morbid fear of germs, his, his obsessive-compulsive behavior included wearing gloves at all times to avoid bacteria and constantly washing his hands. It was during this time that William's illegitimate child, now in his 30s, died at the mansion. He was buried on the Lemp Cemetery plot with only a small flat marker with the word Lemp. Shortly after the monkey-faced boy's death, Charles became the fourth member of the Lemp family to commit suicide. First, he shot his beloved Doberman Pinscher in the basement of the mansion. Then, climbing the staircase to his room on the second floor, he shot himself. Charles was discovered on May 10, 1949, by one of his staff still holding a 38 caliber Army Colt revolver in his right hand. Though the dog was shot in the basement, he was found halfway up the stairs. Of the Lemps, only Edwin Lemp, who had long avoided the life that had turned so tragic for the rest of his family, remained. He was known as a quiet, reclusive man who had walked away from the Lemp Brewery in 1913 to live a peaceful life on a secluded estate in Kirkwood, Missouri. Edwin passed away quietly of natural causes at age 90 in 1970. According to Edwin's last wishes, his butler burned all of the paintings that the Lemps had collected throughout his life, as well as priceless Lemp family documents and artifacts. These irreplaceable pieces of history vanished in the smoke of a blazing bonfire. So, two things. Number one, the dog. I know. That makes me so mad. <clears throat> because, okay, I understand, like, I guess, you know, you wanted to kill yourself, whatever, why the dog? Number one, why would you shoot the dog to begin with? What did the dog do? Why? Why? Number two, if you're gonna shoot the dog, like, if you're going to do it, at least put it out of its freaking misery, like, right away. Yeah, make sure you kill it. Shoot it in the head. Don't shoot it somewhere. And because that's sad, I'm telling you, when I researched the story, I had to reread it a, a few times because of how I edit and everything. And every time, I was like, I really wish I didn't have to put this detail in here, but, I mean, it's it's known, and it's sad, but... Yeah. It's just, it's wrong. So that's my say-so on that. <laughs> but burning all of the paintings that the limbs had collected, yeah, I feel like I would probably do that too. Maybe get rid of a curse. Yeah. Because... Because the house does not seem very... No. Everyone who lives there kind of kills themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would probably do the same thing too. Get rid of, just get rid of it all. Don't, I don't need it. I don't want it. I don't want it passed down. It just needs to go. Yeah. <laughs> the Lemp family line died out with him and the family's resting place can now be found in the beautiful Bellefontaine Cemetery. After the death of Charles Lemp, the mansion was sold and turned into a boarding house. Along with the nearby neighborhood, the building road, the building began to deteriorate. And the haunting tales began. Residents complained of ghostly knocks and phantom footsteps being heard throughout the house. 
As these stories spread, tenants were hard to find for the boarding house, and it continued to decline to a near flop house status. However, in 1975, the old mansion was saved when Dick Pointer and his family purchased it. Immediately, they began to renovate the building, turning it into a restaurant and inn. Workers within the house often told stories of apparitions, strange sounds, vanishing tools, and a feeling of being watched. Frightened by the hauntings, many would leave the job site to never return. Since the restaurant opened, staff members have reported several strange experiences. Again, apparitions appear and then quickly vanish, voices and sounds come from nowhere, and glasses will often lift off the bar flying through the air by themselves. On other occasions, doors are said to lock and unlock by themselves. Lights inexplicably, inexplicably turn off and on of their own free will, and the piano bar often plays when no one is near. Said to be haunted by several members of the Lemp family, there are three areas of the old mansion that have the most activity. The stairway, the attic, and what staff refers to as the gates of hell in the basement. It is in this area of the basement that it used, that used to be the entrance to the caves running below the mansion and the brewery. The attic is said to be haunted by William Jr.'s illegitimate son, referred to only as the monkey face boy. This poor soul, born with Down syndrome, spent his entire life locked in the attic of the Lemp Mansion. Strange occurrences are often witnessed on this third floor level of the mansion. The face of the boy has regu regularly been seen from the street peeking from the small windows of the mansion. Ghost investigators have often left toys in the middle of his room, drawing a circle around them to see if the objects have been moved. Consistently, when they return the next day, the toys are found in another location. In the downstairs women's bathroom, which was once William Jr.'s personal domain and held the first freestanding shower in St. Louis, many women have reported a man peeking over the stall. On one such occasion, a woman emerged from the bathroom, returning to the bar, and stated to the, stated to the two men she was there with, I hope you got an eyeful. However, the two men quickly denied ever having left the bar, for which the bartender verified. This ghost is said to be that of the womanizing William Jr. In William Lemp Sr.'s room, guests have often reported hearing someone running up the stairs and kicking at the door. When William killed himself, William Jr. was known to have run up the stairs to his father's room and finding it locked, began to kick the door to get to his father. So the monkey face boy. I know. I we know haven't we, talked about it yet. No, we have not talked about it yet. I was that, waiting. Hmm. I get. I mean, I don't know. It seems like they knew what Down syndrome was, obviously. Yeah, obviously other people had to have had it. Right, I mean, it's not like it just appeared. Like, I don't know. It's sad. It's sad, I just don't think Monkey Face Boy is so, like, a, like so ridiculed. Like, it's so mean. You call him that, you lock him in an attic, then he dies in his 30s. I mean, I would leaving. haunt the place, too, if yeah. I was him. Call me monkey face boy my entire life you you lock me up you don't let me out you're ashamed of me like you made you've made it very clear that you're ashamed of me yeah i would haunt the place too like yeah and i mean that's the only place he ever knew exactly which is still sad on its own but yeah no <laughs> Several years ago, a part-time tour guide reported hearing the sounds of horses outside the room where William Lemp Sr. had kept his office. 
However, when the tour guide looked through the window, there was nothing there. This area north of the mansion, and now used as a parking lot, was once utilized as a tethering lot for horses. The mansion has been featured in a number of magazine articles and newspapers, and now attracts ghost hunters from around the country. Today, it features a bed and breakfast with rooms restored in period style, a restaurant featuring fine dining, and a mystery dinner theater. Tours are also available at the mansion. The Lemp Mansion is located at 3322 Day Manil Place, St. Louis, Missouri, and is about a 40-minute drive from Zombie Road if you want to get a two-for-one special when you go. I would really like to go to the Mystery Dinner Theater. Yeah. I've never been to one of those. I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I think that's really cool that they turned that into that. I mean, can you imagine doing that and then, like, something happens and it's... The piano just starts playing. Yeah, and you're like... Is that part of the show, or (laughs) is it rigged, or... That would freak me out. Oh, my goodness. All right, so I'm going to read a reader submission. Yes. That uh, we found online. It was submitted by someone who stayed there, and it was about her experience, so, yeah. Yes. My name is Renee, and I have family in St. Louis, Missouri, so when we visit, my husband I and I along with my brother and my cousin, make a trip to the Lemp Mansion when we're in the area. Our last visit was on March 24th, 2003. We arrived at the mansion around 8.30 p.m. to find out that a show and a dinner party was in effect. However, we were told that we could look around on the main floor and upstairs. Neither my husband or myself had ever been in the attic, so that's the first place we headed. Already creeped out because of the dark and the silence, our group soon reached the end of a long hall where the monkey boy was kept. However, as we turned around to leave, all four of us got instant chills when we heard a little boy say, come play with me. I told my brother to shut up and he responded, I didn't say anything. That's when the boy repeated himself again. I then turned to my husband saying the same thing to him as I said to my brother and he said, that wasn't me, it's time to go. That was the first encounter in my 10 years of visiting the Lemp Mansion and I hope there will be more. That was submitted in October of 2004. So, Renee, if you are listening to this by any chance, um, yeah, no, I wouldn't. That would freak me out. Uh, yeah. It gives me I'd chills reading that. I'd like, probably leave. Come play with me. Ah, no. No. No, I'm good. Thank you. No, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know you're sad, little boy, but I don't want to play. <laughs> no. And then just getting that confirmation. I know that's one thing, like, listening to, like, ha- like horror stories and stuff like that. And it's, like, the the main thing is always that confirmation of, like, no. Like, either I didn't say that or no, that wasn't me. Or, yes, I saw that, too. Like, I know confirmation is, like, the biggest thing when it comes to these stories. And when it comes to, you know, investigating yourself and whatever or just going to check it out. It's, like, you... You're like, okay, that actually happened, that wasn't faked, and somebody else saw it. Yeah. That would be just enough for me. And I think all it would take for me is a one and done, because I'm not really, hmm, we've already talked about back in episode two how I feel like I am an empath and I feel like more sensitive to that stuff, and I just, I don't think I would be okay with it happening to me i don't know about you you probably (laughs) i i'd like to think that i'm pretty brave but you'd probably be like nah mm -mm, we out (laughs) yeah i can do this and then come play with me happens and then i'll be like okay nope yeah nope we're (laughs) out (laughs) find a new hotel oh 
So my resources for this story was legendofamerica.com and Wikipedia. Did you have any other questions, comments, or anything you wanted to say about this wild story? Nope. It's a shame they shut down. It'd be kind of cool if they were still around. Yeah. But I guess if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have all have all the fancy, famous beers we have now. Right, though? Even though I'm not a beer person. Me neither. But I would... I know I know Pabst. Oh, yeah. And Bush. I know those two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not I would, my forte. <laughs> I would have... If, they're st- if they were still around, like, for sure, I would have definitely, like tried it i'm just not a beer person like i've had pat's blue ribbon Mm -mm. no (laughs) no Mm -mm. if you like it props to you you're stronger than me i just don't like beer in general i remember we went i think this was (laughs) this is off topic but um i think this was before you and will started dating and he went to the renaissance festival with me and kenny yeah. yeah so he went to the renaissance festival with me and kenny and he got this pumpkin beer i've heard the story that shit was so nasty he was like here it it, it was like ten dollars too okay so nonetheless like it's expensive like okay renaissance festival yeah whatever but the beer was so nasty like he was like here try this it's nasty i'm like okay (laughs) i had one sip and i thought i was gonna throw up we ended up dumping half the freaking beer out because nobody was going to drink it. It was nasty. Yeah. <sighs> Not a beer person. But, I mean, props to you if you are. And, you know, I mean, I- I'm down to try anything once. But. Yeah. I've, I've tried ugh. the IPAs and the lagers and the fancy stuff. It's not for me. Ugh, no. I can't find any I like. Mm-mm. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's story. That's it for today's show. Thanks for coming to hang out with us and listening to today's story. Don't forget, you can find us on social media, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. All the links can be found on our website, 3, the number 3, not the word, 3amtalesofterror.com. You can also subscribe with your email for updates there as well. If you have any questions for us or story ideas, you can email us at info at 3amtalesofterror.com. We hope you'll join us next week. And we we hope hope you were terrified. terrified.